Welcome back to the podcast, League of Inches, or video, however you're listening or watching this episode. Got a special episode today, a joined uh, player interview special that we uh, often run, and it's Trent Hodkinson this time, which I know every footy fan knows, one of the kinder souls in the game, uh, still is, still goes around and uh, is promoting the game, helps the gym, the kids, all that. He's so easy to talk to. Great bloke. I'm going to embarrass him quickly with a couple of stats from his career. Um, 174 NRL games, 20 tries, 294 goals, 16 field goals. He's was known for this. We're going to talk about this in, uh, shortly. 684 points. Rep footy, he had one game for, for City Origin and also six games for New South Wales with a try, which we will get to as well. Trent, just yep. first, you look at those. I don't, I don't want to embarrass you too much, but... You must be pretty proud of yourself looking back on, on the career you've had. Yeah, for sure, mate. Uh, first of all, thanks for having me on, mate. Um, yeah, stoked to be here. And look, those stats are great. I mean, I would have liked to play a few more games and hang around the game for a bit more. But unfortunately, you know, I missed a couple of seasons there through injury and then ultimately had to retire because of injury as well. But I look back at that now and I'm pretty grateful for the time I had. I got to experience some pretty cool um, games, you know, I was lucky enough to captain, co-captain a grand final alongside James Graham for the Bulldogs and play State of Origin and uh, yeah, I was lucky to, to play with um, some great players along the way and, you know, kick some goals and although I didn't score too many tries, I'd like to think I, I set a few more up and uh, yeah, I didn't mind a field goal either, so all in all, stoked with the, the career and yeah. It, it is something that we'll talk about later and unfortunately was crippled by a couple of injuries there and as you said cut short I think personally you could have been playing even to to, to this day there's some I think a few clubs are screaming out for a quality halfback that probably would have loved to have you on the books at the moment so uh, out of the clubs before we get into things that you have played for is there a club that holds a special place in your heart or you basically you, you love all, all three that you played for? Yeah, look, I um, I obviously am very thankful to Manly. They gave me my opportunity uh, to debut as a young fella. And, um, you know, yeah, I, I, I have some fond memories back then, especially my debut season in, in 2010. But I then went on to the Bulldogs and spent most of my time there. And if I look back at my career now, it'd definitely be, you know, Bulldogs would be somewhere that I'd call home um, and, and who I'd shout for these days because, um. Like I said, I spent most of my time there and I played in some some good games there, a uh, grand final, and I was, I was lucky enough to represent my state along the way. And that was all because of the football I was playing at the Bulldogs and, you know, the teammates I had and the coaches I had at the time was um, was pretty special. So it'd have to be the doggies, mate. Yeah, no, I had a feeling you might might have said that one. So couldn't <laughs> see you a few players at the moment. So that salary sombrero is coming out. Uh, look, yeah. let's talk about your, your junior footy. Um, I know your, your club was Cabramatta Two Blues, and I was a trainer. Uh, I went with Bill Magpies for a few years with the kids, and I know one yeah. thing: is anytime Cabramatta was on the draw, they were absolutely dreading it. Um, there was some big boys there, so that would have must have been for yourself a pretty good stepping stone into what was to come. It was, mate. It was a um, it was a good club, Cabra. We had uh, some. They had a pretty strong uh, junior system there, and. Uh, a lot of my teammates at the time, uh, I also went to school with out at Westfield Sports, uh, Fairfield there. So we um, we spent a lot of time playing footy together uh, at school and then it transitioned into um, 
yeah, the, on the field out in Cabramatta. So we had those nice combinations, which were pretty good. But in saying that, we had some some big battles. Uh, I think it might have been uh, Guilford, Timmy Menner, uh was playing there with his brother Johnny. There was um, the Greystains, uh Devils were really strong in our age group. So we had a few big battles with those guys. And it was, it was a very strong comp, the Parramatta comp. So uh, I was a Campbelltown junior, but I made the move over to the Parramatta comp because I, I thought it would best, be best for my football, um, especially at the same time because I was very close to going to St. Greg's out in Campbelltown there where I grew up. But... Uh, I made the transition over to Westfields purely because I was playing a few uh, representative um, teams in in primary school, uh, and I was playing alongside you know the guys from the Cabramatta Parramatta comp that were playing for Cabra and, and the likes of those teams. So yeah, sort of based myself over in the Parramatta region. Yeah, and then obviously Parramatta came knocking um, to sign you up as a, a junior. Played your uh, SGA ball, held mats, and the NYC competition. I spoke to a number of players who were around the NYC competition and said it was probably uh, the best times of their footy career. They absolutely loved that competition, being a kid, basically mirroring up with the NRL side and some of your heroes growing up. Talk to us about being a kid, then going into that Parramatta system and and through the grades, enjoying that time. Yeah, so uh, it was a Parramatta is a really strong club. Uh, Parra and Penrith were kind of the big, uh, big clubs out there that, that had a lot of talent on their books, and um, yeah, I was lucky enough to play Harold Matts. I think we, my age group, it dropped. I think it dropped down to our age group at the time, Harold Matts, and then it went back up. So we actually got two years of Harold Matts. So it was it was pretty cool. And then we went up to the SG Ball. We won the Matts competition against pa- uh, Penrith, and then I think the year after we lost it to Penrith again. Uh, oh, sorry. In, in return and then we went up to SG Ball uh, we had a pretty solid uh, team again uh, we had you know Hainsey, Timmy Manor, Chris Keating was in the team at the time we had um, a lot of other guys Tony Williams was there as well so we had quite a strong yeah. team um, and yeah we went on to to the finals there I, I can't remember where we got knocked out might have been the semi or the GF um, and then, yeah, went into the, the 20s competition. And the first year that that came um, into fruition was uh, my age group. So it was very exciting for us, you know, to to mirror, as you said, the NRL and follow them around and play the teams, the NRL teams as well. So uh, it was pretty cool, but it was disappointing for myself. You said before you were a trainer at Wenny, And I remember we've had a trial match uh, the first year of the 20s against Cronulla. And I was supposed to have the week off and there was a couple other halves that were fighting for the 5-8 the position that were, were supposed to play. And they got injured at training and we, we, we didn't really have any halves. So I had to put the boots on and play that trial match. And um, that was the one that sort of sort of hit me for the rest of my career. I, I, I went on and in 10 minutes into the, the um, trial match, I did my knee. So I, I ruptured my ACL at, when I was 18. And that was, yeah, against Cronulla, as I said, uh, out at Wenny. Um, and yeah, it wasn't ideal. So I sat out for most of that 20 season and come back, I think round 26 and then played a finals game. Um, and then I think we were one shy of the GF that year, but uh, I think, uh, the inaugural winners of that might've been Canberra if, I, if my memory is correct, but yeah, the twenties comp was very exciting for the young guys coming through. Um, yep. yeah, giving a good opportunity. 
Yeah, I think it was Canberra because I'm pretty sure it was a guy I went to school with Jared Kearney. He actually scored the match winner. Uh, I remember yeah. I remember watching the TV and everyone was going crazy about it. So shout out <laughs> to you, Jazz, if, yeah, if you're watching somewhere. Um, just on that being a Parramatta junior then coming through, was it a bit disappointing for you to not have played NRL level for the Eels? Was it something that you wanted yeah. to do or you didn't really mind? No, I definitely wanted to sort of go up the ranks at my junior club. You know, you always want to play for for the team that you went through the junior footies, I uh, played your junior footy with. And I, I saw myself sort of wanting to stay there. And, and as you do, you dream of being a one-club player. But, and um, yeah, I guess we just had a lot of strength in my position uh, up above me at the time. We had Timmy Smith. He, he come off that really, um, you know, strong rookie of the se- rookie of the year season. Um, everything he turned, touched the uh, touch turned to gold. He we had Brett Finch in at five eight there. We had James Maloney playing Premier League. I was one under him, so we're pretty strong there. And then and James at the time went down to Melbourne, and then I then took off to the opportunities at Manly. So um, yeah, I would have loved to stay at Power for sure. I, that was that was home for me. That was my juniors growing up, and I had a lot of um, you know a lot of good memories with my mates there. So it would have been nice, but it wasn't the case. Yeah, Manly then came knocking, so it's the arch rivals, and I'm a Para fan, so you obviously grow up being told to hate Manly. So yeah. interested to see how that those conversations went um, from going to Parramatta over to Manly, and what it was like because that was your basically your first ser- uh, senior sort of contract. I'm imagining you signed, so probably would have yeah. been a bit surreal as well at the same time. Yeah, it was surreal. Um, my my uh, my dad was a Manly fan growing up, so that's it felt a bit strange going to the club that um, that I supported because of him growing up, you know. So, um, but they come knocking on the door, and, and as I said, mentioned before, I had that ACL injury when I was eighteen in that trial match, and um, I was on the tools at the time as well. I was doing my trade, and Parramatta only offered you know part time again, so I would have been still slugging away on the tools, which was okay because I did enjoy it. Um, it matured me as a young bloke, and I really think that was a, a big part into me, you know, moving forward in my career was, was you know, getting on the tools and, and doing the hard yards there. But um, mainly uh, offered full-time. It's top 25 back then, and they um, they offered a full-time role and um, under Des, and they had some success, you know, um, the year before. I think the grand final they might may have won, and I was just looking at it going, I'd love to learn. Matty Orford I looked up to when I was a young fella, so I'd, he was there, and I, I loved I, I loved the idea of going and working and learning under him and, and having a guy like Des uh, being the coach. And I was just lucky that Noel Cleal, the recruitment officer at the time, uh, he, he obviously watched me for quite some time at Para, and um, yeah, it was good to, to get the opportunity. What was Des like as a coach? We hear all the stories come out about him and uh, what he's like as a coach uh, can be a bit crazy at some, at stages and uh, yeah. footy. Uh, what's he like? Yeah, he's, he's crazy, that's for sure. Desi, he's full on, <laughs> mate. Um, he uh, he's, he's very intense. He demands, you know, you to work hard and, and uh, rock up with a good attitude, as you should. Um and he leaves no stone unturned. He will he will give you every opportunity to to not only become a better footballer but win a competition. And um, you know the 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 writings on the wall with Desi. He, he has been in many grand finals. Um, he has yeah taken teams you know from from bottom to top. And you know he 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 created that team to manly to what they were to to go on and win a couple of grand finals there. So. Um, 
Yeah, he's very intense, intense character, Desi, but he's one of those types of coaches that, you know, if you work hard for him and he'll have your back no matter what and he won't hang you, let you hang out to dry if, the, if you, you know, the media is on top of you or he'll take the brunt for you. So he's a coach that you really, that you want to play for ultimately. And, and um, yeah, that's why I enjoyed playing under him so much. He, he improved me as a footballer and he made me in the footballer I was. Yeah. Uh, one one of the first memories that point, points out to me and sticks out in my head about yourself is in that Manly career for yourself, that game against uh, the Bunnies and you kicked the two field goals. And I just remember, um, I, I remember invisibly uh, about sort of very good quality field goals as well at the time. How much thought goes into it from yourself when you're setting up for those? Is it for the moment things or is it something in the back of your mind, you've got your forwards going, certain spots going, I need to get the ball to this part of the field to get, to then get this field goal uh, where I want it? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Obviously, when um, you've got it, depends where you're getting the footy. If you're getting the footy in your own half, you're just trying to work hard to get those metres and put yourself in a position and, once you sort of get around that position, then you got to start to think, you know, where where would I like to to put the the play the ball in regards to my kick? What angle do I feel is going to be better? You know, you start to pan across the defensive line and see where those guys are in position because you know who's going to try and come out and get you or whatnot. So, um, I like I, I generally uh, like to um, like to put the play the ball sort of on the on the left post or just outside the left post so I could open it up and get a free reign. But either side didn't really matter. Um, as long as you sort of were in a better position, uh, in a decent position to give you enough space um, and, you know, allow yourself to get off the ruck and avoid those markers as the best you can, then um, was good. So, yeah, a little bit of thought. You, you Sometimes you have to come off the cuff, you know. If you've got a quick play the ball or there's, there's a really slow play the ball and you can't go off that, that play the ball then you're going to have to dig one in um but if the play of the ball is good and you might not be in the best the position that you want to be you have to go you know so sometimes it's off the cuff sometimes it's very planned it just depends also what time of the game it is as well whether they know it's coming or they don't so there's different factors that come into it but most of the time you like to um you like to plan where you want the the play of the ball to be was there a certain player you like to go off then? We know these days they talk about getting that quick play of the ball that's, that's vital and key. Was there a certain player you like to go, you know what, you're taking this on the fall so that I can get my shot away? Yeah, um, at the Dogs, big Sam Cassiano was good for a quick yeah. play of the ball. So um, whenever he sort of, whenever we needed that quick one, uh, big Sammy would, would, would dive one in, you know. So um, back at Manly in the early stages, I think Chockey Watmel was pretty good at getting a quick play of the Oof. ball as well. You know he was um, he was strong in a way. So um, yeah, it was it was funny. I think um, I can't remember who was playing the ball in that in that Rabbitohs game. I do know it was a pretty um, pretty pretty cool experience kicking the two field goals for the first time. Um, I didn't yeah I didn't expect to do that. You never expect to kick two in the in the one game. Possibly you might have to kick one. You know, but to do that was pretty good because I know South sort of uh, scraped their way back into the game and went ahead and. Um, it would have been disappointing if we lost that game because I think we deserved it a little bit more and, and we ultimately got there, which was good. You had Brookie in party mode and you've done that a few times in your career with different stadiums. But just the last thing, as I mentioned, you were known as a sharpshooter with not just the field goals, but with your boot conversions, things like that. How much effort in, uh, did you put into it at training for those field goals? Um, it, it looks like it's not something that just comes naturally. Like you have to put in the work and uh, really yeah. grind at it, it feels like. Yeah, well, my goal kicking, I, I put in a lot of work. I um, I 
Who was your you coach? Know, I, you have, was it Darrell Halligan or? Yeah, Chook was my yeah. coach at the at the Bulldogs um, at Manly. Well, I wasn't kicking at Manly because Jamie Lyon was kicking. So yeah, I was I was always a goal kicker coming through. So I was kind of self taught um, by my, by my, on my own. I uh, spent a bit of time after school down at the local park out in Campbelltown there, and would just kick the ball until dark, you know, off the tee, and it was something I enjoyed doing. I'd kick for the Cabra uh, Cabra Matter in the time. But then when I went to Manly in first grade, you know, I was uh, Jamie Lyon was kicking uh, goals there, and then even when I went when I went over to the Bulldogs at the start, Stevie Turner was kicking the goals, and then I think the year after, uh, in twelve when I was injured, we'll probably get into it for most of the year. Uh, Chrissy Inu was kicking, so I didn't really come into kicking in the grade until probably third uh, two thousand thirteen or fourteen. So, um, but I was always practicing no matter what because I knew. If if Jamie or someone went down, then I was next in line. But you know, funnily funnily enough, with the field goals though, I I didn't really spend a, a whole heap of time on on um, practicing them at training. You know, I we might do one set at the end of captain's run where we're we're you know working towards that game related one pointer, and I'd kick it and yeah, generally I'd get it. But if I'd spray it, you know, it is what it is. I'd leave it. I didn't want to r- really put too much pressure on myself because I knew out on the field it had come naturally, um, which was pretty good. And um, But with the goal kicking, I did spend a lot of time practising that and I really enjoyed those those um, responsibilities, I, I guess you'd say, for being a goal kicker and trying to add the two points onto a try or a uh, golden point if you needed a conversion. I really enjoyed that. Just naturally talented. I wish I had those natural talents. <laughs> oh, oh, like, Might have been my soccer... Might have been my soccer days back in the day. I started out, you know, playing soccer before footy, so I reckon that put me in good stead. Yeah, that that's a good little segue. I wanted to ask you one final question about the junior sort of side of things. And growing up, were you one of those kids that were footy mad and you always had your mind set on, I want to play footy when I grow up, I want to play NRL? Uh, or was it something that sort of has grown onto you throughout as you were getting older? Yeah, well, it was sort of, I went back and forth with the soccer and footy for a little bit. Under sixes, I was soccer. Seven, eights, I was footy. Nines, I went back to soccer. And then tens is where I sort of made the decision to go with footy because a lot of my mates did the same thing uh, at primary school. So, And then from then, I was like, I was always mad about footy and soccer. I was just mad about sports, you know. But uh, when it sort of got a, a bit serious for me, wanting to do that, um, you know, in the future was, was around the under 10 mark, yeah. So 2014 comes about and and you sign oh sorry you signed a multi-year deal uh, with the bulldogs and i'll tell you what as a para junior you've gone to the two most hated clubs by the, by the <laughs> girls, so you've, you've done well there um yeah just i want to know the impact that the bulldogs has had on your career because as an outsider and before i even asked you earlier about that it just it felt like the bulldogs have had a lot to do with your your career and how you've grown uh as a person i just want to know what that because i know they're, they're known as a family club and a lot of people say they've sort of grown away from that but at the time they were probably the envy of a lot of clubs with how they did things mm-hmm. yep no i agree um what i will say is a lot of i when i sat down with toddy greenberg and kev moore who was the coach at the time and they told me about um you know the history and being the family club and everything like that and i just i just enjoyed the fact of yeah what they had to say and how they sort of embraced me and where they saw me uh at their club and in the future and i could really feel uh a lot of uh genuine 
um, yeah, I just felt a genuine connection with those guys. And, um, but, you know, I've got to owe a lot to Desi. Um, he he had me at Manly and he had me at the Bulldogs. So he, he moulded me into the player I was. And, um, you know, I, I owe a lot to him um, at the end of the day, yeah. Yep. So 2014 comes around and um, it's the grand final. Uh, I know it wasn't the result you guys wanted, but I think the main talking point here for for your personal point of view is that you were named co-captain because Michael Ennis uh, was down through injury, which was unfortunate. I think he was a massive loss on the day as well uh, to the Bulldogs yeah. and the chances. I think it was the heart and soul of that club at the time. And um, it must have been a surreal moment and a special moment for yourself to be running out to a grand final, packed house, ANZ Stadium back in the day, what it was called. And just your emotions for that day, did you, did you change anything to how you prepared because you were the co-captain or you were took it in your stride and it just came naturally for you? No, to be honest with you, um, my role for the team uh, didn't change. I was, you know, still the conductor out there. I was the general. I was the coach on the field. Uh, I had to steer the boys around. So that didn't change at all. Um, in regards to off the field, you know, I wasn't a – a huge talker in comparisons to, you know, your Mickey Ennis's or your James Graham's. So um, I kind of let James do a lot of the, a lot of that stuff. Um, Could you understand whenever James was talking though? <laughs> no, absolutely not. We all just nod our heads and, and uh, yeah, we'd cop a lot of spit in the process, but uh, um, yeah, James is very passionate. So he, he enjoys that side of, of, um, of the, of being, you know, the football, uh, player he is, he, he leads by, you know, his words and his actions. So I guess both of us being the captain, James was going to have time off the field. So I was there to be the captain whilst he was off as well. Um, so, yeah, I, I was playing that seven, uh, that 80 minutes that Mick would usually, you know, we didn't have, really have that co-captain because Mick was there for the 80 minutes. But, no, I really enjoyed the week. Um, yeah, it was a bit clouded by injury, uh, which was disappointing to a few of us. We lost Mick. Uh, myself, I was uh, hobbled into that grand final um, from the Manly game two weeks prior. Joshy Reynolds, his shoulder was pretty crook. Um, but, you know, we finished seventh leading into the finals and that's what happens when you finish so low is you've got to go back to back to back, you know, four games to get, three games to get to the grand final and three tough games. That's why you don't see too many guys winning it from down there. Um, so we put ourselves uh, in every position to... Uh, to to you know possibly win that GF and unfortunately for us uh, Seas were too good on the day and they kicked on I think for most of the game it was six all and then you know fifty first minute or fiftieth minute they score and they ran away with it which was a bit disappointing but it is what it is. Yeah. That was the game obviously Sam Burgess takes that first hit up and the collision with Graham. Was there much talk about Sam Burgess's condition throughout that game? And you could see on the, the big screen how much at the start he was struggling. Then he just sort of took his, his hard concrete pills and just went possessed. Yeah. yeah, I actually spoke about this today. Somebody asked me, um, was that the game that Sam Burgess uh, broke his cheekbone? I said, yeah. And, um, you know, I was hoping he went straight off after that first tackle. <laughs> I think we all were. Um, well, we talked. I just he, said before, Michael Ennis is the heart and soul of the, the dogs at the time. That yeah. was Burgess for South, so it would have been massive. Hundred percent. Yeah, it would have been huge, mate. And um, you know, he ran off, and it was looking like he was going to go off because he ran out the back, and he was pretty concerned about it. But 
you know, Sam being the, the competitor and the tough guy that he is, he stayed on and, um, you know, we didn't really speak about it because, you know, it's not so much of a target there. If you've got a shoulder or they're sore knee, you know, you can sort of target them. But, um, yeah, he, he didn't really – we didn't really speak too much about it, to be honest with you, because he just soldiered on. And, um, as I said, mate, they were too good. They uh, they got a kick start in the 50th minute and they just ran away with it. And uh, it was well-deserved from them. It was disappointing from us. And, um, yeah, it's one that that'll sit with us and it'll hurt for, for, for quite some time. Yeah, I don't want to ask too many questions about it because it still hurts. It's never easy to lose a grand final in whatever uh, league you play in or whatever division you play in. It always sucks. But one point yeah, I just yeah. wanted to quickly ask, ask you about, it, and I know I want to ask you this because being a halfback, a playmaker yourself, it's it's always a, a target. But Greg Inglis, um, obviously a freak and one of the best we've, we've ever seen grace the footy field. How much preparation for yourself goes into things when you're versing a talent like that on the big stage, knowing this guy is probably going to have quite the influence on if South Sydney can win this or not? In regards to Semi? Uh, in regards to uh, Greg, Greg Inglis. Oh, Greg Inglis, yeah. So, um, yeah, a fair bit goes into the, the, the preparations to try and limit, you know, Greg's influence on the game and... Um, yeah, he was very, very talented player. Uh, he had a he had a good way of getting himself into the game in in big moments. So, um, you know, we tried our best uh, with the with the game plan that we had, um, and and like I keep referring back to, it was neck and neck until the fiftieth minute mark. You know, and it was six all, and you know the scoreline is what it is. And you look back at it now and you go, oh, the South have you know dominated that grand final, but those last you know. 25, 30 minutes is where they ran away with it and they just, you know, got a lot of momentum and, and everything went their way. And um, But, yeah, a guy like Greg Inglis, we had to really prepare hard for for not only Greg, but the, the, the entire team at the time was going super well. All the Burgess boys were killing it. You know, Adam Reynolds was really good. He had a, a really great kicking game uh, that year. Luke Keary was playing awesome at 5'8". Um, Dylan Walker was uh, might have been his debut year or, or second year. He was killing it. They had a strong team across the park and and led by Semi Burgess and Greg Inglis. It was uh, yeah, it was a it was a tough game and, and a hard team to beat. Yeah, so you had a taste of the captaincy there, and then and uh, then I want to talk fast forward a little bit to the Knights, uh, 2016, 2017, and you were thrown immediately into a, a trio uh, co captaincy with uh, Tarek Sims and Jeremy Smith as well. I've spoken about this with a couple of players as well who was in a similar situation. How did it feel going to a new club, being the, the new guy sort of in the, in the group and being thrown into that leadership straight away? Did it sit comfortably with you or was it something you were hesitant about? Um, look, I we had a pretty um, – well, at the time, I think the squad was qu- quite still, um, you know, experienced before that started to clean out. But – um, I was the type of guy that sort of wanted to earn my stripes and um, I guess prove myself to to be you know deserving of that I guess um, you know going to a, a new club and getting thrown a co-captaincy straight away it, it I was proud of it for sure and I, I took took the role on with both hands but um, yeah I was probably a little bit embarrassed in a way because I, I like to yeah I like to earn my stripes as I said and work hard and then I think the following year, the playing group voted, and and that's when I 
they they um, they voted for me to get the captaincy in 2017. So that I felt as though that was much more rewarding than than the one before. Um, but I still enjoyed it and was very honoured to do so alongside um, Jeremy Smith and Tarek Sims. You know, two two good guys of the NRL. So yeah, it was um, it was something I was proud of. But the following year was the one I sort of felt a bit better because it was it was voted by your peers. Yeah. Yeah, I'm um, in 2017. You mentioned you're the sole captain, but it would have seemed like a, an ideal situation would have been love and life. But then, unfortunately, after by about I think it was round seven, only one win there, and and the coach decides you're one of the key reasons to that, uh, and and he actually dropped you to New South Wales Cup. And I know I read a media article today, uh, just do a bit of research, and I know you said I hope yeah. you don't mind me bringing it up, but it felt like at the time looking back, it was a bit of a toxic environment and things like that. It wasn't. Uh, ideal uh how, what was that like to be the captain and then all of a sudden because we don't see that in the modern game we don't see the captain being those scapegoat and and being dropped that's crazy to think about what was it like to live in that yeah it's pretty pretty uh uh crazy time to be honest with you mate i'd i it was scratching my head and i um i just had to be a man about it and accept that that was the way that the coach was going at the time and did I agree with it? No, but I just had to uh, accept it and move on. Um, so that's what I did. And then, uh, yeah, it sort of stayed that way for a little bit longer. And then I, I come back into the side at the end of the year and played a few games. And then, yeah, it was kind of all over the place, to be honest with you. It was it was a bit of a uh, weird situation and a funny one. But, yeah, it was uh, – I had to, had to <laughs> suck it up and, and move on and – yeah, it was it was it was definitely different. Yeah, and then per, me personally, I I wouldn't be able to wait to get out of the, get out of the joint uh, with that sort of treatment, and I think it was pretty unfair as a time. I don't think you were in that bad form at all, and and probably one of the key reasons they actually won that game that they did win. Um, but yeah. 2018, you switched over to the Sharks for a brief time, and then a mid-season switch to Manly. Talk to us about because we're seeing it a lot this year, and we saw it a lot last year. Yep. What's that period like with that mid-season switch going from one club to another? How does it sort of transpire? Is it all through managers and, and they come to you, you go, oh, I wouldn't mind going back to Manly. It felt like my home club and, and going back to them would be a good idea. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess I when I when I left Newcastle, um, there was an opportunity. Uh, you know, my manager had told me that Manly was a possibility and then, I think Hastings, Jackson Hastings was there at the time and, um, yeah, apparently they were, he was leaving and they just had to sort out some some cap stuff. So that wasn't available straight away. And then Sharks were were there to, to come down and um, there was a spot there available to, to know back up to Chad. And I think Moisa was there at six. Um, so I was sort of backing up there. and But by that stage, I kind of had to get out of Newcastle because it was, yeah, it was pretty tough and, um tough place to be be around um at the time though so yeah went down to Canal and that's it, where I was Is Newcastle as footy crazy as everyone talks about? Yeah, say it's that unreal. City just lives and breathes it. Lives and breathes it, mate. And I can't speak highly enough for the fans up there. They're um they were they were awesome, hey. They were really good. Even though we were getting beat, there was still fifteen, twenty thousand there at games up there and um they're very passionate and you know, it's hard to see them go through, you know, quite a while now that um, that the team hasn't done hasn't done so well. But um, you know, hopefully for the for the for the fans there in the game that 
Newcastle can, you know, start to rise and get up there because uh, definitely footy crazy up there. And it's a great place, mate. Newcastle, I, I really enjoyed my time living up there. It was, it was, it was unreal. Um, you know, but then, yeah, I shot back down to Cronulla for a bit and, um, you know, I knew the future there was only, a, it was only sort of a 12 month contract. Um, so I had to sort of keep my options open because, you know, Flenno let me know that, that Kyle was sort of in, then up and comer, um, moving forward after that 12 month period. So, um, I kind of knew where I stood, which I appreciated that from Flenno. He was upfront and honest with me, which was awesome. And then the manly stuff was still happening in the background, so that became available, and that's when I made the switch because I still had the rest of eighteen and then nineteen as well, so I could sort of um, commit to that. And yeah, that's that, that's what happened there. Yeah. So before I touch on the rep stuff, then obviously two thousand nineteen, uh, you already said it before yourself that that was the year that cruelly by an knee injury ended the the career for yourself. And I, I want to know if there was plans for yourself moving forward was it in an ideal situation was it to stay in the NRL or was it a Super League sort of move you would have been looking at um yeah strike someone who probably loves to stay in in Australia but uh would have been liking to just have more opportunities because I just feel like as you were just speaking about then the last couple of years just a lot of shit sort of happened to put it politely and it would have been nice for you in in a much better way no you're right mate I look back now and it's sort of especially coming off those years at the dogs and then, you know, um, going up to Newey and, and starting fresh up there. And then it's sort of diving back down. And the last couple of years is pretty disappointing way to sort of go out and finish. And um, I just felt as though, yeah, it was pretty frustrating. And as you said, mate, shitty time, to be honest with you. And then coming to grips with having to retire early because of injuries, just... Um, you know, at the time, it was a, a decision that was made for me. So it was easier that way. It wasn't like, I uh, did I retire too early? Because, you know, I think I could still go. I couldn't keep going at the time. So, um, but yeah, I, I did plan to go to play on. I had a contract over it with, um, with uh, the Rhinos over in the Super League ready to go. So I was going to continue to go over there. Um, and finish off. It was something I wanted to do was go over there and just and just you know enjoy a couple of, as a lot of boys do. Um, yeah. Go over there. Uh, we're yet to have kids uh, at that stage, and um, um, you would have had some brownie yeah. points then. You would have taken the missus to Europe, and she would well, have been loving right, <laughs> Yeah, that's right. That's right. So it would have been a good opportunity for us to travel, but it wasn't to be, and um, and that's where she finished. Yeah, and then let's we're not we're not ending there, guys. We're not ending on a somber note. Then the rep footy starts. And <laughs> city city country is one thing I want to talk to you about because I want to know what it is actually like. Because we hear the commentators and that bag it out a lot at the time when it was around saying we don't need it. It's not really an Origin trial. I want to know as a player who actually played that fixture what it actually felt like for yourself. Did you feel like it was a genuine Origin shootout, or did you feel like oh, I'm getting a rep jersey, but I don't feel like anyone really cares about it? Because I know a lot of people watched it and really liked it. Yeah, I will. I um, I I definitely felt that way. I was seven games into my NRL career, and I got chosen. Um, so I felt as though this is sort of an opportunity that I should be very serious about, and I was, you know. Um, but I felt like it was like that when I was in there. All the older boys, like um, this was what two thousand and ten. So, yeah. um, yeah, I I felt as though it was a very serious game, and it was city country, and yeah, 
probably not the hatred that New South Wales and Queensland have, obviously, but it still definitely felt like it was a game or a dress rehearsal for, for that New South Wales uh, team. So um, I enjoyed it. Who was it was the coach? something that I'm proud of. Coach at the time was... Was it Daly? F- was it Laurie? Or Freddie, mate? Nah, he was country. I think Freddie oh, yeah, might sorry, have been was country. Yeah, Freddie. Yeah. I think Freddie might have been city. Hey. And then you got the, the time, yeah. yeah. Hey? Then he got the Roosters gig, I think. Then he got, yeah. That. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's the go. And then um and then I think I, I made the squad again in thirteen. Um, but I had to uh I went into camp and then I I, I left camp a couple of days in because the knee was a bit um a bit uh, under the pump. So um yeah, no, I enjoyed it, mate. City Country was sick and it was something that I'm 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 very proud of. I got the opportunity to re- represent City, you know. You mentioned you did that when you were quite young. So I'm guessing it was quite daunting being in that camp with some of those senior players that you were talking about. What was camp like for, for you being young and going into that environment? Yeah, 100% it was daunting. I was, um, it was, uh, yeah, like this little mouse walking into training and saying, g'day to everyone. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was only fresh on the scene in the NRL. So to go up with all, you know, these established guys and, was pretty cool um but i did learn a lot i come out of that camp and i learned you know because the guys as i said took it pretty professionally and are uh, pretty serious and i um i learned a lot of professionalism out of that uh camp from the other guys from other clubs so i took a lot out of it yeah let's talk about the big one new south wales blues origin you got to play six games as i mentioned 2014 to 2015 uh, I want to talk to you about that game. Uh, I'm pretty sure it was game two, 2014, I believe. So it was a great year personally yeah. for you. You had the grand final as well. I was there. I was there that night with my mate. We were sitting high up in the nose, but it was the only tickets we could get at the time. <laughs> we, we just had a feeling. We go, this is the year the dynasty's over. We, we've got this. And I believe at the time you and Breno, uh, Josh Reynolds was playing quite well. So we were pretty confident with the pairing as well. I know that. I think it was at the time Pierce and Maloney. I think we're both injured. I believe in. Yeah. So what happened was, what happened was, and I've got to thank um, the the girl in the yellow dress was the <laughs> one that that Piercy got in trouble with at the time. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Um, yeah. So he, yeah. So he got, uh, I think, suspended or ruled out, and then James was his his five eight. So. I think James automatically got ruled out. I don't think he was injured, but then Laurie uh, went with the combination of myself and Josh because we are playing pretty well at the Dogs, and I think that's what he was big on with combinations at the time. Yeah, and I know you've got quite a good relationship with Josh. I've seen that obviously with the post that as well, with Josh retiring, and you guys have probably remained quite close mates as well. Was it quite, I want to, I'll finish off my story first, but it was, yep. I was up in the displayed, um, and you scored that try with not long to go at all. It looked like it was going to, to be one of those Queensland great escapes once again, but this time it was yeah. us, it was as well as I got it done, and, and it was yourself uh, over, and I've never heard and felt a stadium go berserk like it, and I know a lot of players say they just zone out and you can't really hear the crowd or anything like that but i just want to know in that situation when that happened what was your emotions like could you hear and feel the crowd because it almost felt like it was almost impossible to not yeah it's oh no i'm gonna have to say though i, I at the time <laughs> i didn't really feel it hey eh? i um yeah. it was just because it what had happened and then 
Um, it just happened all so fast. I'd love to go back and just put it in the slow-mo and just do it and embrace it. And But as soon as I put it down and then I looked up and I was at the wrong end of the Blatchy Blues or up the other end, so I thought they were there and I put the finger up and it was the Queenslanders, so I was like, oh, damn. Um, and then, yeah, knowing that I had to kick to come, I tried to just relax and not carry on too much because if I had a score to miss a kick for all, never know what could have happened, you know. So, um, yeah, it happened very fast. I, I'm sure I remember the roar, but it's hard to remember, yeah. you know, you know, feeling that there. But, yeah, it was um, it was surreal. It was unreal, eh? Like, um, looking back at it now and what we are able to achieve against that great Queensland team was pretty special. Yeah, I told you off there, but I remember it and I'll always remember it. It was just, it was crazy to be in. It was like a wave hit you in the face. Um, I, I loved it. The best atmosphere I've yeah. ever been involved with. Yeah, I think because um, I had my mates sitting with my nan and pop at the time and I think at the, yeah, they just went back. They were, just went to get a couple more beers and then they were sort of creeping through the crowd and with, with like two trays of beers and then um i went over so they them beers just went everywhere like they threw them up and yeah um nan and pop got sprayed with bloody beer and it was um it was pretty cool because then mum and dad and, and uh my wife and and her mum and were with um were over on the other side and nan and pop were with my brother and uh, my brother's wife so it was pretty pretty funny nan and pop yeah they smelt like a like a lot of beer by the uh, at the end of the game but even when you see videos of the crowd and how they reacted, it was pretty special, um, you know, to, to not only get that opportunity. I never thought it had come because Piercy had been there for a long time and he, I just thought that that was the way they were going to go continuously. And, and I was just focused coming back after that injury season in 12 where I missed most of the year in the grand final in 12 just to get back on the paddock and show the Bulldogs some faith and... Uh, my name got tossed up for Origin. I didn't even still believe it. And then Laurie rang me and it was an opportunity and I couldn't believe it. And then to go in and do what we were able to do as a team and, and you know, to get over the try line, you know, that's a memory that no one will ever be able to take off me. Um, and something that I'll be pretty proud of to, to tell the kids when I'm a bit older, you know. So, um, yeah, she was a special one. Was there any stories behind that with Laurie's call? Because we always hear players say they either ignore calls, they think it's a prank. Things like that. Was it anything there with you, or it was just straightforward? You knew Laurie straight away, and I'm picking this up, and I know what this is about. Well, I knew that um, that night it was getting chosen on the Sunday night. Oh, sorry, they'd ring you and then it'd get named on the Monday, but they ring, they'd make the phone calls on the Sunday night. I remember leaving the airport because we come home from from uh, New Zealand. We played the Warriors there. Saturday night maybe and we flew back on the Sunday and I remember Jimmy Dimmick um and at this this stage I had no thought of bloody uh state of origin or anything and Jimmy Dimmick our assistant coach looked at me and goes oh, state of blues a eh? state of origin I went what are you talking about mate you know you're off your head blah blah <laughs> so I've gone home and then knowing that you know they they picked the side uh, or ring the ring the players at night. So I'm thinking, oh, whatever, you know, watching TV with the missus and that. And um, Grubby rang me, Joshy rang me and said, mate, oh, have you heard anything, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I said, no, nah, mate, no. Nah. He goes, I said, have you? And he goes, yeah, I'm in. I said, oh, that's great, mate, good stuff. He goes, but you haven't heard anything? And I was like, no, nah, not yet, man. He goes, <laughs> all right, ring me when you, ring me if you hear anything. Surely, surely you'll get a call. He knew, he knew. Yeah, probably. <laughs> 
Um, and then, yeah, uh, literally probably 20 minutes later or something, I got the phone call and uh, it was a number I didn't know. And I, look, I, I, lit, I got the phone and I tilted it to the missus and she's like, you picked that up. And I was like, right, boom. Hey, mate, Laurie Daly, how you going? I was like, oh, are you kidding? You know, and then it was just, it was just uh, pretty holding back the tears there and then got off the phone to him. He said, yeah, you're in, mate. Um, blah blah blah. We'll see you. We'll see you tomorrow morning. First thing, and I was like, "Oh, this is." I still couldn't believe it. And then I spoke to my parents and got pretty emotional. And then even the drive in, like, um, you know, meeting what was saying before about the city and country and and what it was like going into camp. And I'd been around for a little bit now, and you know, a few seasons in the NRL, but I was still pretty, um, pretty surreal moment because. The, a lot of the guys at New South Wales had been there for for a while and, they, and they'd endured quite a little bit of pain. So, you, you know, you had yeah. Gallons, your Birds, Hoffmans, Lewis's, Bo Scott's, Robbie Farrers. Like, you know, they, they had a, a core group there. And for a new half, especially a halfback to go in, a young fellow, it was pretty daunting. But um, they were awesome. They embraced me. And it took me, you know, not much time at all to get in there and feel right right at home. So it was good. I don't think there's many more deserving players to reach that level than yourself and what you've been through with your career and, and things like that. I think it was well-deserved and I'm glad you got to reach that level in your footy career and actually play in that sort of environment. Uh, I know with all the injuries and that, there would have been times where you probably thought, oh, crap, I'm never going to see these sorts of these days, but I'm glad you Thanks, did. And yeah. I think I started with, with this uh, channel and pages, I like to sort of help out the kids out there and give them little tips and that where I can and whenever they do it, yep. watch the I wanted to ask your question for the kids around this situation where you picked to verse this star-studded Queensland team that wasn't getting beat in the last eight years or so. I, I, when you got the phone call, and I, I've got no doubt I know what your answer is going to be because the form you and Josh are in, I reckon you both just thought, you know what, we're going to get these dogs. We're, we're going to get We're going to get them. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's our year to, to break this streak. Is yeah. that talks your mindset when you do get that? Because I know, as you said, it was emotional at the start. And then you click and you go, you know what? I'm about to verse players like Smith, Thurston, Cronk, the like, Billy Slater. This is a team yeah. that has been beaten in a long time. We've got to get into this. Yeah. Um, and you're right. Like it went from a, a, a feeling of, um, you know, emotion emotional feeling and then it went straight to right oh there's an opportunity for us to do something special here um we walked into the room because we roomed together as soon as we put the bags down we looked at each other and we go yeah this is we could do something special here man let's this is an opportunity let's take advantage of this we're in a good position um so from then on in you know in camp we um we ripped in and we tried really hard to to do our best for the team and you know, although because there was a lot of pressure on halves, and there still is on halves in the in the Blues side, and uh, especially me, I was very it was very um, uh, questioned my selection anyway. So I had a lot of pressure there. Even you know, the New South Wales greats were were questioning my selection, and you know, I think even at the time, Gow might have questioned it on the radio, and then we went into camp together, and it was funny. I think. Jane was on camp three, might have hit Gal up and said, oh, you're still questioning his selection now, Gal. Um, yeah, we all had a laugh about it on the piss and that. So that was funny. But, um, yeah, it was uh, it was a good opportunity for us. We had nothing to lose. We're going in there and, and it was something um, that we could, you know, hold hold together between the two of us because we, um, 
you know, we were playing some good footy for the dogs and it was a good opportunity for us to do, to transition that into the Blues side against with, with the teammates. So, um, But in, in regards to the Queensland team, we knew what we were coming up against, but we didn't spend a whole lot of time. Well, I didn't spend a whole lot of the time, you know, trying to think about who I was playing, to be honest with you. Yes, we did video and, and, and whatnot, but... Um, I'd more focused on my role for the team and I knew if I could get my role right, which was Laurie told me it was to be there and be very calm and, and get the boys around because he felt as a, a couple of years, you know, previously it was quite frantic and my my I was a pretty laid back kind of player and, and my strengths were, were steering the boys around the panic and, and kicking to corners and, um, you know, doing those sort of things. And back then early in my career until I sort of started to get, you know, more injuries in the back end, but, Earlier on in my career, I, I believe I was a pretty strong defender. So, you know, I, I could hold my own. And those are probably the three main reasons why I got chosen. And I was able to, you know, help the side get over the line, which was good. I, I want to, um, and just so for there, the kids, I think the, the big uh, thing I'm taking out of there, the big talking point, just your mindset when you, you're about to play and, and things like that, no matter who you're versing. As I said, back in the day when I was a Wendy trainer, I used to hate versing Cabra. But it was just that mind yep. frame you needed to switch. It's a challenge that you embrace and you go, you know what, this could be the day that changes changes my life. If you want to be a footy player, all you need is that one game with the right person's there or something, and all of a sudden they've seen you yep. tackle that guy that you're scared of or, or things like that or yep. make that run. And that's all it takes. So. And the thing is, it's it's a lot of people, you know, they they um, they think about the or they worry about the things they can't control. You know what I mean? What you yeah. can control is yourself and your own actions. And that's what I try to do during the camp. What can I do that that the best for this team? You know, I'm not worried about what that Thurston or what Smith or to have an impact on what I can do in the, in for my team. I just worried about myself and focused on getting myself right. And once you do that, the rest will come off it, you know. The rest will handle itself. Natural instinct will take over. So, um, yeah, just that's I guess that's my advice to young guys that are coming through. Just just work hard and worry about yourself and get yourself right and and don't worry about the things that you can't control because, you you, you know, you, you keep worrying about those things, you're going to stay where you're at. Yeah. Um, look, one thing I want to bring up before I get into some rapid-fire questions with you, and for me, this sums you up. It, it's I know you, on the field how good of a player you were, but off the field, and I feel like it'd be rude for me not to ask this, and if you don't want to talk too much about it, I understand why, but uh, in 2017, yep. you did take young, uh, beautiful Hannah uh, to her former, who reached out to you at the time. who wasn't doing too well at all. Uh, she reached out to you, and you were uh, fam not famously, but it was in the papers and the magazines about taking her to the formal. I was want to know, did she, did she reach out to you at that time uh, asking you, is that the right part of the story? And then I also want to know on a bit more of a fun side of it, how was it back being back at a high school environment? Yeah. Yeah, so um, just uh, quickly, Hannah was one of the, the um, names I had on my kicking tee because I used to write in the name of a sick kid on my kicking tee because we had a bit of air time, more air time than others. Uh, skull kickers that's what I sort of I was lying in bed one night and I was just trying to think of ways I can help the uh, kids and I was staring at the ceiling and I went write a name on the kicking tee boom so I then went to I was at the Bulldogs at the time and I went went to the Bulldogs and had a chat with the community I said is this possible can we sort this out she's like yep leave it with me um, and then yeah fast forward I had Hannah on my kicking tee she come to the game she was uh, recovering at the time and then we like to stay in contact with the kids and their families and they let us know, you know, a few months later or what it was that she'd fully recovered and which was unreal, great news, you know. And then 
might have been it was the because uh, 16 i'm pretty sure i did that with her and then in 2017 early in 17 she um her mum contacted the club and just said hey can you let trent know that you know hannah's not doing too well um you know i just thought he'd like to know because he likes to stay in contact and and updated with with how the kids are and um the community uh sally the community uh lady at the night there let me know and i was just devastated i was like you're kidding blah blah, blah. um she only had so much so many months to live you know and i was like oh my god um the school was bringing her formal forward and i said to say i said um well if she doesn't have anyone to, like a date or anything like can i go to the formal with her like just see i'd, I'd love to go with her got back to Sal's mum and then her mum got back and said, you know, it'd be great, she'd love to. So that was where that come from. And um, yeah, it was pretty, um, put a lot of things into perspective because I, on the day of the funeral, I went round to Hannah's house and she was, she looked beautiful. Um, yeah, she was gorgeous. And, you know, she needed steroid injections just to get off the couch, you know, and I was just like, and but she had the biggest smile on her face and I couldn't like, uh, here I am worrying about uh, a bad day at training or, um you know some ridiculously you know thing that i'd be worrying about and then you've got a, a a young 14 year old girl there that's that's needing steroid injections to get off the couch and go to a formal you know what i mean i'm just like pull your head in mate like what are you worrying about so put a lot of things into perspective and then um yeah we had a great time uh we drove to the funeral in um in one of the classic uh cars that she loved uh classic american car i believe it was and um yeah it was awesome we got out um the whole school was waiting for her as we arrived we hopped out she got the massive cheer that she deserved and uh we went in there and we had a good time it was a little bit different for me i'd been a, a while since i've been to a uh, formal but um i had a great time we cut the cake and uh yeah she she was you, could, you couldn't take the smile off her face mate everyone there was very supportive of her and um yeah we had a really good time and then um yeah unfortunately not long after that hannah had passed away which was sad and uh yeah really hit the community in newcastle and um but what what i remember of hannah is she was just a fun bubbly happy uh young girl and no matter what was coming and what she knew it didn't change the way she was and um you know i still tell people today that that was a big part in my career and, and realized how grateful I am for what I have and um, put every, a lot of stuff into perspective for myself. Yeah, actually, honestly, it makes you feel a bit emotional even just hearing about the story. And it just, I think it goes to show just the quality of yourself as well. I'm not trying to piss in your pocket here either, but I know you did have done and still do a lot uh, off the field uh, for the game and, and for people. And I reckon there's that much stuff that we could talk about that people probably don't know about that you've done and don't want the accolades for it. But I think that's just there. You know, that's why I wanted to bring it up. It just shows what you're like as a, as a person. And um, I think, it, as you said, it's bigger than the game and you're more than happy to put yourself out there and, and do that. Where not just footy players, but I think people in general probably wouldn't do anything like that. Uh, they just sort of turn a blind eye, sadly. Um, but yeah. you're not you, you're on the front foot with it and uh, massive credit to yourself. So um, rapid-fire questions. Yep. No worries. Rapid-fire questions now. I've got a few for you. Um, I want to know the best sledge you heard and also the best sledger. It might be the same person here. Oh, the best sledge I heard. Oh, what was it? It was Will Chambers. Oh, of course. <laughs> I think it might have been the Clemmer or someone. 
I'm trying to think what it was. Oh, might have been something about the misses or something but i can't i probably can't repeat it to be honest with you but it was a solid sledge it was a solid sledge and um he was good at those ones uh uh will he was uh, yeah um yeah it was something along those lines but it was a good one it was a cracker yeah uh the next one is and i know you you grew up and played alongside a lot of talented players but the most naturally gifted player you got to play with in your career yeah, the most naturally gifted player I reckon I played alongside in the juniors. I'd have to say Hainsey was was one of the big guys, but um, he was very talented. And but when I went to the Bulldogs, Benny Barber, he was um, he was one of those guys that at training would come last in uh, a lot of the fitness drills, and then he'd be the weakest in the gym. But you get him out on the footy field, and he was just footy fit. <laughs> he'd be here, there, everywhere um he'd do back-to-back plays as a fullback he'd be on the ball in the defensive line he was just a guy that was naturally um naturally gifted as a footy player and at the moment i'm out um out at cobar and i've been to burke today just with the uh the nrl doing some some clinics out here with the schools uh for mental health and stuff and then we have a bit of a run around with the kids and Tell you what, out at Burke, this is where you need to be looking for talent, mate. They're um they're freaks, eh? They're quick, um, they're skillful, they're footy players. So, um, yeah, and that's natural. If they have a bit of help, yeah. a bit of training, and and all this sort of stuff, man, there's no stopping them, eh? So, yeah, he was just a naturally gifted footy player, Benny. Were you there the year when he scored that try against the Storm? Oh no, he scored the try. He set it up, I think, for, for I think it was Jamos or, or Jamos. Yeah, the, so I was uh, I was at the Dogs, but I wasn't playing. Um, I was injured that most of that year, but and that was the year that he won the Dalian, mate. That that yeah. try, I seen that the other day on socials. It was um, ridiculous. <laughs> it was freakish, eh? Hey? He was freakish almost on the big <laughs> Yeah, he picked it up, it's it like half a meter in, yeah, and then oh, yeah, it was ridiculous. Crazy. Uh, what about the funniest player you played with? No doubt you got some stories uh, back in camp life and things like that. Um, who's the funniest player? Funniest player I played with. Um, <laughs> there's a lot of lot of guys. I spent obviously most of my time at the Bulldogs, so um, there's a lot of characters there. James Graham was pretty funny. Um, Mickey Ennis, believe it or not, was a character. You might see the serious side of Mickey, but behind the scenes, he was a uh, he was a prankster. Um, yeah, Corey Payne back in the day, Pumper Payne yeah. at, at the Dogs was a very funny human, um, without trying to be. Um, yeah. But yeah, James Graham was. Um, he probably did like he was a prankster. He, um, I'm not sure, too sure if you've heard this story before, but every away game he um, it was Mick, Mick's birthday, so um, <laughs> he uh, he made sure he had a cake sitting with him or brought out a cake at the restaurant, and Mick just knew it was coming and. <laughs> Even on the plane rides, the um, booper would get um, get into the, the hostess and say, mate, uh, can you just say Mickey Ennis's birthday when we land? So oh, Mickey was, he had a birthday every second week when we are going away. So, and that was, uh, yeah, James Graham was behind that. So funny humor. That that's hilarious. We, had to, we used to do the same thing at school. We used to have a mate who used to go roll bomb his birthday at every assembly <laughs> the birthday and it was yeah. his birthday every week so <laughs> and they'd hate it but there's nothing they could do about it because if they try to get get back it just wouldn't work as good but it wasn't as funny and 
Yeah, if you've seen the birthday cape come coming out, Mick, you just see Mick just like, ah, so, yeah, it was a good one. Last one, and you know what? You touched on this earlier, so I was like, you knew what questions were coming. One moment of your career, you could go back and relive uh, again if you could. Yeah, um, yeah, the GF would be nice. Yeah, the GF would be nice. Um, to get that win, I feel as though. You know, I was lucky enough to have the state of origin win, but the premiership uh, win would be would be pretty cool, and to go back and um, and win that. But I uh, I'd like to think back in the day at, at winning Oval, mate. That I'd like to maybe not play that game, um, yeah. but you know, you never know. It could have happened later on. It could have happened um, whenever. So I got dealt with the cards I did, and I had to um, I had to adapt to that, but. Um, yeah, the grand final win would have been a nice one. Last question, because I've taken a lot of your time and I really appreciate uh, the time and effort you put in for tonight. Um, post footy right. life, how things are going up there, everyone, uh, and how you are going on a, on a personal level. I know, as you said, had, had to retire early would have been a bit tough for you, especially early on. Um, but how are you doing now and what you're involved with? Yeah, I actually went back and I had about six months off. Um, my wife was pregnant at the time I retired. Um, and I, uh, I had, yeah, I was lucky enough to be around in a young fella's life for the first three months, which, you know, normally you don't get to do being at work. So I enjoyed that. And then I went back on the tools and finished my trade um, because I did about three years before footy back when I was 16, 17, 18, before I then went to, that's when I was at Parramatta, I was, I was working and then uh, training of Anavo. So I went back and, and finished my trade and, um, yeah, now we've made the move up into enemy territory. I've brought the family up in uh, up in a place called Yapoon, which is sort of central Queensland on the coast of Rocky. And um, yeah, it's it's we're enjoying it. Um, I'm still involved in the game. I'm doing stuff with the NRL at the moment uh, down the state of mind program and around the mental health, which is which is good. And I'm looking to get involved with the um, with uh, with footy again in the coaching. So that's on the on the brink of happening and. Um, just bits and pieces yeah so um trying to trying it's been a stressful couple of months moving the family up and i got nose surgery probably 11 weeks ago so um it's been a bit of a uh bit of a stressful time but we're getting there if you're ever looking to get in the podcast game you know to come and talk to so uh always absolutely have to on, the, on the league of inches team but trent as yeah. i said i've asked for uh way too much of your time tonight i know you've got to go off and probably get some dinner get some tucker and get some sleep um or another big day oh there you go we dropped out. Yeah, as I was saying, really appreciate your time uh, and effort put in. Uh, it's been a few weeks in the making. You've always uh, made sure it was uh, going to happen. So I really appreciate that. Uh, so all the fans of League of Inches, definitely thank you. Um, and as I said, yeah, it's good to hear that you're doing great at the moment, uh, enjoying post-football life, family's healthy. Uh, and thanks once again for jumping on, Trent. I appreciate it, mate. Thanks for having me. I'm glad we could finally have a chat. And uh all the best with your little one coming along soon, mate. You get those uh, get those rests while you can because there's going to be some sleepless nights, eh? <laughs> yeah, I'll try to. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs>